Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the CX Goalkeeper podcast. My name is Gregorio Leoni. I am your host. And as promised, I am publishing the second half of the discussion together with Moritz Fitzgerald. It's a great pleasure to share this second part with you because it's full of insight. I hope that you will enjoy this session. Thank you. Perhaps are there other weaknesses that you want to mention on, on the M-Pesa uh, so, system? Yeah, yes, and this has a risk of offending a lot of people. Um, but that's life. <laughs> I, I don't mind much. Um, there's a problem which I believe I know the root cause of, and people who are watching this, please feel free to disagree and uh, write to us and tell, tell me I'm completely wrong about this. Um, a substantial part of the NPS work, I'm going to say most of it, in general, no action is taken on the basis of, the, of uh, customer experience research. It's published as scorecards. People may be evaluated on the results of those scorecards for um, their annual reviews, but no new projects are defined. There are no strategic initiatives um, and nothing enters into the corporate strategy because of it. And I believe the root cause of this is that the majority of customer experience leaders report to the marketing leader and the marketing leaders are measured on usually on two things demand generation and sales support and what i've just described as the, the gap and the need you know, determining the top two or three strategic initiatives that need to come out of what we found the, the marketing leader isn't measured on that and they don't care so the work of the CX leader gets treated as being interesting and entertaining market research. And hey, maybe we should really look at that seriously someday. Okay. That might have a note of cynicism in it, which isn't intentional, but it is the reality. Uh, my preference, if the head of the of customer experience can't report to the CEO for some reason, uh, Reporting it to the chief of staff would be good because the chief of staff usually sets the management agendas and you can be sure that you'll be in all of the communications. If you can't report to the head of a business unit or division, then uh, reporting to sales would probably be my top choice. Because let's face it, if, if customer experience work is successful, will retain more customers. It'll be easier to upsell. It'll be easier to cross-sell, meaning the win rates improve. And who's measured on that? The sales leader. So they're, they've got to be interested in something whose explicit purpose is to uh, improve the, the financial metrics on which the sales leader is gold. So... And I think what you're saying, it, it makes full sense how, how you're also explaining that. I see more the role of customer experience managers or you name it. Uh, they have quite a lot of different um, uh, names. 
as uh, in a matrix organization because they need to support marketing, they need to support sales, they need to support customer service, and they are there to support and help. And then if you can start having shared targets, then it's easier to continue this customer-centric transformation. Therefore, I think what you're saying, it's, it's, it really makes sense. Right. And when I, at one point um, in HP, we hired the former head of Microsoft North America to come in and first um, I reported to him at a, in a software business unit and then he was promoted to be the overall software manager. Um, uh, Robert Youngjohns reporting to the CEO and I was, he took me with him and he was stunned that in HP we measured that we considered that 92%, for example, was, was an acceptable um, renewal number. And he was used in Microsoft to 100% being something for which you would almost be fired. <laughs> because our metric tended to be by volume, meaning if you have 100 customers at one point and then a year later you've got 92 that's fine but it wasn't financial until he changed it right and what you want is if you're earning a hundred dollars from a collection of customers at one end of at one point then 12 months later you want to be earning more than a hundred dollars from the same group even if some of them have left that that's been overcompensated for by upselling and cross-selling to the ones who've stayed and that's just a, a much more satisfactory measurement of what customer retention means Exactly, but at the end, I think this is, this is extremely relevant, and it's not only about this NPS number or a C set or something like that. But companies need to be able to link these numbers, these figures, together with relevant financial uh, figures, because at the end, we are in the business to make business, not to to have happy customer right. or something like right. that. You need to translate that into. Uh, reduce cost, additional revenues, additional acquisition, and all these key metrics that are relevant. Yeah, I'll just make the remark that uh, the, which has been misinterpreted by some important researchers and the research they've published as well. Uh, you know, there are industries in which none of the customer satisfaction metrics will predict revenue. And uh, uh, depending on what country you're listening in, I would pick retail gas stations or retail petrol stations as a great example. You know, their revenue is primarily dependent on the price of a, of a barrel of oil. And you know, yes, maybe being unpleasant with them and not doing what, uh, if they actually come in to, to pay, I mean, I like this book that these guys have written, The Human Brand. They, in there, they talk about what, the warmth and competence model, meaning that what you expect from a, a retail transaction is, especially is that the people should have basic competence that you're able to do whatever, that you're able to execute the transaction. And then provided you can execute the transaction Having the person smile or ex exhibit some level of human warmth is, is important. You know, I know you've uh, interviewed Peter Dorrington at least twice. Yes. Uh, this is going down the same type of path that he goes down with the importance of empathy. Uh, but empathy 
doesn't count if you're not competent with all due respect you know <laughs> yeah yeah i i you know, sorry i wasn't able to do whatever it is at all but i smiled you know then you just come across as an idiot right <laughs> no clear I, i i fully understand what what you're saying and it it makes sense and and perhaps um, the the question about the future how do you see the future of uh, npes and ncx also related to the fact that there are quite a lot of techn technology in place that can be used like ai and perhaps also a bit again a bit strange yeah. question do we need really to measure on to or to ask the customer if we have all this ai and this technology in place well i, th I think you've picked i think i'd just like to make two points on that and you you've started the most important one so at the risk of being radical i don't think we need to survey customers at all okay maybe that's a bit too radical i'd say perhaps we need to survey them once a year for a brief period to and a reasonable sample to make certain that the new technology solutions that we've implemented um, are a reasonably good representation of what we would find out from a well-executed survey. Um, but it's the same It's my view is the same on what I expressed around the with the late delivery example. Uh, it's damaging to wait for surveys if you already have the data, and you know, if you're in a B 2 B business um, and you use Salesforce like so many large companies do, then it's probable that data from what's going on in Salesforce is going to tell you more about what, uh, how likely a customer is to renew their existing contracts or to upsell or whatever than anything else. You know? uh, so you're never going to get at that through a survey mechanism. Uh, why would you... Something maybe, let's suppose we find out through Salesforce that the salesperson is having less and less contact with the customer I would suggest that that is quite likely to turn out to be a decent predictor of the customer not renewing five months from now. Sure. And whereas surveying them after they've not renewed <laughs> is, you know, we don't have to do that anymore. Um, so what I see as being the replacement for surveys is covering 100% with AI solutions that would be doing relatively complex mapping that would be saying these are the things that are going on that it will probably mean that this customer is going to be a detractor, a passive or a promoter. I still think an NPS itself in this kind of predictive NPS model is important because it's easy to communicate, right? And you can show the trends from a sophisticated AI system in terms of a simple headline number, right? Uh, the catch is that you've got to trust that the your AI system is capturing the best operational and other metrics that you've got in your systems. Uh, who knows? Uh, maybe it's you know, there are things in your financial systems that matter that aren't even that you'll pick up that aren't 
necessarily to do with customer experience. Like maybe you'll see customers paying their bills later and later, and that be a predictor predictor of them going bankrupt. And maybe you should be working out what you're going to assign the salesperson to, because there may be nothing you can do about it. And it, that it's a waste of time trying to sell them expensive things if they can't even pay their bills. So that's there. The defect, of course, of these systems is that they don't capture brand image things. So uh, if your CEO, and I can think of names, behaves really badly in public or, well, let's say just gets accused of sexual harassment or something like that, that's going to kill you. That has the potential to kill your business. And by definition, a conventional AI system isn't going to pick it up. True. You know, I think uh, Peter Dorrington and company believe that they can get that type of thing into uh, customer empathy. And you know, I look forward to seeing whether they produce, uh, whether he and Jonathan Hawkins and company uh, actually produce the goods on that. Um, you know, in consumer businesses at HP, we were pretty good at scraping social media and then using text analytics to um, to try and get the emotional level things going on um, uh, out of that and be predictive from that. But in the and then so in consumer businesses, there are more solutions. The general quality of text analytics on the market is really poor. There are some exceptions, and I'm choosing not to mention my preferred one here. People who see what I write will easily know my preferred NLP solution based in New Zealand. And yeah, I, so I believe that AI and machine learning can totally replace survey pro, uh, processes provided you have maybe once a year occasional calibration of your model to make certain that it hasn't gone off track in some way and that it really is doing the best possible job of predicting churn which again and predicting it in a on a financial basis that's absolutely my um, my number one, I guess the other one is relatively is related, which is it, these AI models, by the definition of looking at a large number of operational metrics, may turn out a scorecard that has 200 items on it. And the casual reader may think that all 200 are equally important. And I, I don't know the answer to the, the following. That somehow we have to develop a compelling method of visually prioritizing these scorecards so that it's clear of the metrics that actually matter, which are the trends that are worrying. And you know, just make those score, scorecards more useful in, from the day-to-day -day management perspective. Uh, make sure that the AI system is also uh, highlighting in a proactive way to the people like perhaps the the person um, who's sales responsible for a particular area is going to get a ping if something negative uh, on their phone saying, ah, you know, this metric is uh, going off track here. And we believe it's because of this thing that you personally can influence. 
know, as distinct from selling, sending a useless message to the salesperson saying, you know, uh, because our operations per people have delivered late three times in a row. Uh, other than, yes, we'd like you to apologize. Um, that's not useful from an action perspective. Those things should be uh, directed only to the relative operations person if it's entirely in their control. But yes, I see it being replaced by AI. I see loads and loads of startups, including the one I'm helping at the moment, the OCX Cognition uh, people, where I'm part of the team on a, on a part-time basis. And uh, we are having our first successful implementation showing that we can predict churn from you know, Salesforce and operational and financial data uh, reasonably well. And then I guess the, the next the challenge we're already seeing is indeed how to communicate this compellingly in a way that encourages people to take the, the, the correct actions as quickly as possible and not confuse them with excessively complicated scorecards. Predictive NPS numbers are part of that solution in keeping that simple communication at the top level. And as I end, you know, here are the top two or three, three things that are driving it. That's quite hard to automate. And, sure. and, but you know, we're getting there and I'm enjoying watching that and participating in it in, it in a very limited way. Since I, I'm not a coder myself, I... I've been doing my Python machine learning course, uh, but I'm I'm finding it hard. <laughs> you might, uh, as many people do, uh, but I'll get there. I'm determined to have my Python certificate so I can claim to people that I know more than I actually do. <laughs> so. And I think this is nice with all your experiences that you already had. You are still working in customer experience. You 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 mentioned also in the pre-discussion. Uh, now we know that that it's Python that you are playing golf. That you are still building also IKEA furniture. <laughs> yeah. How can you ensure to to put everything together to have a let's say satisfaction? Because you said that you are retired. It doesn't make sense to ask work-life balance because you can decide. But uh, true, what satisfies you in life? Uh, I guess the, at the moment, the top line thing would probably be seeing my daughters succeed professionally. I won't go into what they're doing, but uh, you know, feeling that I'm, that, uh, and I guess I would say that to, on behalf of my wife as well, as we, if our daughters are 26 and 28, feeling that we're contributing actively to them being independent successful and so on and well as a half italian person you'll in, in appreciate the following probably i'm going to talk about my mama which is uh, my own mother i have three sisters and a brother and you know traditional irish family let's call it from the 50s and early 60s and my mother was absolutely determined that none of my sisters would ever be financially dependent on a man. And um, uh, I've had the same determination that the, our daughters need to be very independent and self-sufficient 
and or at least have that choice, right? So that's a very strong motivator in in my life and in, in my wife's life. Um, you know, I I guess I would close that discussion by saying I have a strong desire to continuously learn. Maybe that's having had ac- had academics as parents, the value that they placed on learning and and on behalf of my brother and sisters, they didn't care what we learned. They cared that we learned. Uh, I've been spending, uh, since my wife and daughters are vegetarians, I'm not. I've been spending huge amounts of time, and I love cooking, and my wife doesn't. Um, I've been spending huge amounts of time learning all sorts of new and exotic vegetarian dishes. I recommend Otto Lenghi's uh, cooking books if you want to get into that. And, but especially his book called Simple, because the last one of his recipes I did took me just over three hours to do. And the, the time to result ratio wasn't quite there. His simple ones can all be done in under an hour. Anyway, we're getting aside, but you know, you said you would like me to recommend <laughs> a book or two. I uh, certainly recommend that. I, People who haven't read the basics should. Uh, This is my own one. uh, Yes, signed by Fred Reicheld. So, um, basic things like that, even though the ultimate question too was written before the technology exists. But understanding the basics uh, matters. Richard Owen and Laura Brooks wrote Answering the Ultimate Question, which was around implementing. This is an yeah, excellent piece of things to thing to read, too. Hey, I like my own. That's my favorite of my own. They Just, will be all in the show notes, don't I? Will, yeah. I will do that because they are really, really good, strong books with quite a lot of important insights. I think uh, the thing that I tried to pick up a lot on the strategy book that I found nobody had concentrated on was uh, the importance of uh, doing partner experience work, meaning if you're dependent on resellers or distributors or agents of any type, um, that you should have a deep understanding of what they want. Uh, Think about, well, I'll pick a random example. I'll pick McDonald's. Who does McDonald's sell to mostly around the world? They actually sell to their franchise operators. And the, it's a minor proportion of, this, of the restaurants are owned by McDonald's themselves. Yes. So it's critically important to them to know what the franchise operators want. And yet we never think of that. Uh, and this is this B to B to C model. Yes. And making sure if you're in a business to business to consumer model, understanding that you're, what's going on in that middle tier is extremely uh, important and doesn't get talked about much. Very few consumer businesses are direct to consumer. Right. Yes, that's that's true. You 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 are right. Perhaps the two last question. Um, if somebody would like to contact you, what's the best way? Oh, you can reach me easily on uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, I'd say best professional address is probably the OCX Cognition one. So Maurice that dot Fitzgerald at 
ocxcognition.com. Um, easy enough to find. And yeah, I welcome interactions, including with people who think I talk rubbish. I have changed my mind uh, frequently or improved my reasoning or thinking with people who disagree strongly with me. And there are plenty of them. So um, I try to learn from them. Thank you. And the very last question, this is uh, Maurice Golden Nugget. It's something that we discussed or something new that you would like to, to share with the audience. Um, let's say, I guess I would, I would pick that you know, doing customer experience research without already knowing that you're going to have the people, the resources, the money that you need to implement improvements based on the research, not alone is it a waste of time, it's damaging, meaning it gives the correct impression to customers that you don't actually care about their opinions. I'd say as a closing anecdote about it, ask yourself, how many times when you have received an email request to take a survey and you've taken the survey, how many times in the last hundred that you've done that did the company write back to you and say, here's what we learned from all of the surveys and here's what we're going to improve? And I'm willing to bet that the answer for most people watching or listening to this and perhaps for you, Gregorio, is never Exactly. And if that's what you're going to do, just don't do it. Please don't damage our, our profession. Stop. Thank you very much, Maurice. And as usual, I'm not commenting your golden nugget because it was Maurice's golden nugget. The last thing I want to say is thank you very much for your time and also to the audience. I hope that you enjoyed this discussion as much as I enjoyed because it was really a great discussion. It was out of the box and I, it was what I, what I was expecting. And therefore, I would like to give you a 10 in, in my NPS score. And the comment is perfect and I don't suggest any improvements. Please stay like, like you are because these are really the great discussion that bring us customer experience professional also forward. Thank you very much, Maurice. Thank you. Grazie. Alla prossima volta. Grazie mille. Arrivederci. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it. Share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business. We are in a human-to-human -human environment. Thank you.